0: Welcome to Tooled Up Education's Researcher of the Month, where Dr Kathy Weston selects a paper from a notable researcher that will be of interest to parents and school staff everywhere. Dr Aideen Slattery currently works as a postdoctoral researcher in the Centre for Assessment Research Policy and Practice in Education at Dublin City University. Her postdoctoral research focuses on game-based learning and assessment, She is broadly interested in the measurement and enhancement of cognition and behaviour with a particular emphasis on attention and memory. Aideen holds a BSc in Psychology and MSc in Psychological Science from the University of Limerick. Her PhD research, which was funded by the Irish Research Council, focused on the development and evaluation of a school-based attention training programme designed to improve concentration in primary school children. Aideen is passionate about conducting meaningful scientific research, which translates into real world impact. And that is why we have chosen Dr. Aideen Slattery to be our Researcher of the Month. How are you, Aideen?
1: I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting all things attention and concentration.
0: Well, goodness me, this is a topic of interest to every parent on the planet and every teacher. So it's extremely exciting that you've just published a paper. Which we're going to discuss today. So, this particular paper, Aideen, it's called Popular Interventions to Enhance Sustained Attention in Children and Adolescents, a Critical Systematic Review. And it was published in Neuroscience and Biobehavioral Reviews. And it was my understanding that the paper evaluated the evidence. Behind three popular sustained attention training approaches used for children and teenagers aged between three and 18. And that was cognitive attention training, meditation, and physical activity. And there were two sort of questions that that paper looked at. Isn't that correct?
1: Yes. So we conducted a systematic review, which is one of the strongest forms of evidence. And as you say, we looked at three popular intervention types. So we looked at meditation, physical activity and cognitive attention training. So cognitive attention training involves the repetitive practice of a cognitive task. So, for example, a computer game that would require sustained repetitive effort. And it's taught that the frequent engagement in such tasks exercises, brain networks related to attention. And this type of training is often called brain training. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the term. And you might consider this similar to exercise to train your muscles. It's based on the idea of neuroplasticity or brain plasticity, which is our brain's ability to adapt to our experience. And then Meditation and physical activity are two types of state training approaches and state training approaches are designed to develop a brain state that is taught to positively influence attention. So Kathy, you might think of this type of training as helping you to get in the right frame of mind to do a task. So that's what the paper was looking at. We were looking at the impact of these interventions on sustained attention and related abilities.
0: And of course, it's very sort of intuitive to think that you can train your brain, that you can do some exercise that will get you in the mood for learning. But this paper really rigorously looked at the evidence around what we might feel comfortable assuming is the case.
1: Yes. So specifically, Cathy, we looked at sustained attention And I think it's important to point out that attention is not just one type of skill. There are many different types of attention. So you have selective attention and divided attention. And sustained attention, it's our ability to continuously focus on a task over time. So almost every task we do in our daily life requires us to sustain attention. So if you're reading a book or you're listening to a lecture, for example, you're using your sustained attention all the time. And, you know, because of the importance of sustained attention for daily life and for learning, as you say, we were interested in these interventions that are designed to train it, to make it better.
0: Now, Aideen, you note that sustained attention develops throughout childhood with a period of accelerated development occurring between the ages of six and nine, which is absolutely fascinating. What's happening during that time that causes this sort of acceleration?
1: So that's a great question. Sustained attention develops throughout childhood and into young adulthood. But childhood is a particularly sensitive period for its development. And these age-related changes we see in sustained attention during childhood, they coincide with parallel changes in the brain. So during childhood, many critical changes take place in the brain. So connections in the brain are being improved, which allows brain regions to communicate more efficiently with one another. And kind of this is one potential reason why we're seeing this kind of accelerated development in childhood.
0: And I think from a parental perspective or even from a teacher perspective, working with children of that age, it seems so critical to understand what's going on in those brains, you know, to be able to understand how to improve or that sort of level of attention required during learning.
1: For sure. So if we just think about sustained attention, it's absolutely essential for everything we do. So in school, it's important for learning and achievement. So correlational research tells us that sustained attention is related to children's academic achievement in key domains like maths. And then also we know that children who have sustained attention difficulties, like children with ADHD, they're at increased risk for lower school grades, dropping out of school early and having to repeat a year. So actually in addition to kind of these academic challenges, students with attentional difficulties can experience other issues. So for example, social and emotional issues like teasing from peers or lower self-esteem. So it's really, really important to kind of understand attention, sustained attention and the impact it's having.
0: So how how common is poor or less developed sustained attention in children and teenagers generally?
1: So it's actually quite common. Surprisingly, research suggests that about 24% of children exhibit frequent inattention. So that's almost one in four, which is, is quite a lot. And then we know sustained attention difficulties are linked to developmental disorders. So I, I previously just touched on ADHD, but it's also linked to other disorders like autism or intellectual disability. And kind of my own research has focused specifically on ADHD. And we know ADHD is one of the most common diagnosed childhood disorders. And approximately half of kids with ADHD experience sustained attention difficulties.
0: So I suppose the rationale behind this particular paper was looking at what we think works and trying to assess whether or not that's the case. And in your paper, you focus on three main intervention types, I believe, which are commonly used in schools cognitive attention training, brain training, meditation, physical activity. What did you find out about the efficacy of each of these in terms of improving performance on sustained attention tasks?
1: So as you say, we looked at these kind of three popular intervention types and we found that in general, cognitive attention training, it did not reliably improve performance on tasks that measure sustained attention. But the good news is physical activity and meditation interventions demonstrated somewhat more potential in improving sustained attention. So I should say that all the meditation studies we looked at specifically examined mindfulness meditation. So what we ultimately concluded in the review was that while mindfulness and physical activity studies report positive effects on sustained attention, these effects, they need to be considered preliminary as the, the majority of studies had a lot of methodological weaknesses, which makes it difficult to figure out what the true effect of each intervention type is.
0: So essentially what you're saying is it's looking positive for the meditation and physical activity, but it's not entirely conclusive.
1: That's it, Exactly.
0: Okay, okay. And did any of the interventions lead to improvement on other cognitive tasks or improvement or, sorry, or or behavior?
1: So that's an interesting question. And mindfulness had rather consistent positive effects on a type of attention called selective attention. And selective attention is our ability to select out one piece of information from our environment while we ignore other aspects. So, for example, if you're having a conversation with a friend at a busy restaurant, you're focusing on what your friend is saying rather than everything else that's going on around you. You're blocking that out. So mindfulness had a positive effect on selective attention, and this was found across studies. But then kind of more generally across other types of cognition, behavior, so say ADHD symptoms and academic achievement, the interventions had kind of quite weak effects. There wasn't really any effects we found on these other types of outcomes.
0: And were you exploring, you know, were there any factors related to gender that you were interested in within the study?
1: So we weren't specifically looking at the impact of gender in the, the review. It was kind of a little bit beyond our scope. So we looked at both males and females. We didn't focus specifically on gender, but gender is something that could potentially impact the effect of each intervention type. So
0: as a researcher in this area, what was it that you were personally quite surprised by or, gosh, had a gosh moment, you think that's interesting, you know, that really shifted your thinking?
1: What was I most surprised about? I guess the overall finding that cognitive attention training in general you know, does not improve sustained attention because it kind of goes contrary to what you expect or maybe what's reported in the media. So that was the kind of most surprising finding for me. I mean, in theory, it should work, but the evidence is just not there, you know, to support it.
0: So what does this particular study mean for classroom practice? You know, are there any interventions that look particularly promising that you would point you know, educational professionals too or should they treat any intervention making claims to improve attention with caution?
1: That's an interesting question. So really more research needs to be done. Based on the findings of this review we're not really at a stage where we can say any of the reviewed interventions can be used by school personnel to improve children's sustained attention. You know as i previously mentioned there are lots of limitations in this research which really makes it difficult to figure out what works so given the current state of evidence i think any claims of improvement you know should be treated with some caution but i will say in terms of the interventions reviewed in this paper In theory, I would say mindfulness may be the most promising in terms of improving the ability to pay attention. And this is because mindfulness likely targets the many factors that kind of interact to determine our ability to pay attention at any moment. So it works on kind of our cognitive attention system, but influences other factors like our level of physiological arousal. So there's an optimal level of arousal for sustained attention. And if we go above this level or below the level, our performance declines. So think about it, if you're overly stressed and in a stressed state, you know, you can't pay attention as well. So mindfulness kind of works on physiological arousal and helps us get in this optimal state. It can also work on other factors like helping calm the emotions, which is also important for our attention.
0: And there's so much going on in the classroom. You know, recently we did some work with Gemma Goldenberg, who's a researcher looking at noise and the impact of noise and environment and you know visual stimuli in terms of affecting children's attention and again it's quite a, a cloudy area there is so much to think about and every classroom is very very different and each class or school is placed in a particular geographical area so it is hard isn't it to sort of peel back what really can be impactful in terms of improving a children's attention
1: it's so difficult you know it is hard And, you know, conducting research in this area is also challenging. And, you know, as you said, every classroom is different, every teacher is different, and also every child is different. So there's lots of various layers you have to consider when you're looking at these type of interventions and, you know, evaluating whether they work or not. And if
0: you are a busy sort of classroom teacher, you know, who may not be able to easily access, you know, a paper like yours how can they understand what is evidence-based? If the suggestion is there that mindfulness might be beneficial, like what's the best strategies for them for working out what they could implement to good effect in the classroom?
1: That's a great question. So I think like in the age of the internet, you know, anyone can say something is effective online, right? So being able to determine kind of the evidence behind something is important. So really to determine the evidence, you have to look at the research and, you know, kind of more often these days, you're getting research papers that are open access, that people can look actually at the research and what is it saying. So randomized control trials or RCTs are really the gold standard for evaluating the impact of an intervention. And these studies, they randomly assign participants to an intervention group or a control group. And they allow you to make causal conclusions. And this means you can be certain when you say any effect is the result of the intervention. But it's important to look out for certain characteristics of RCTs. The inclusion of a control group is important. So this allows you to compare between those who had the intervention and those who did not. And the control group activity should be the same as the intervention group, except for the key training mechanism. And I suppose another important factor to consider is when you're reviewing this type of research is the sample size. So groups should have a minimum of 20 participants, but in general, the more the better. So basically what I'm saying is it's important to look at the the research and see what the research says. And I think it's
0: important that schools are in general research informed and are interested in, you know, conversations like the one we're having now and interested in keeping, you know, up to date with what's going on in the world of research. So that can help. In terms of on the sort of parenting side, as you can imagine, lots of parents will be listening to this wondering when school returns, you know, how they'll be able to improve their child's attention at homework time or how they can get their teenager to focus on what they need to do. You know, if you were advising parents based on what you know about children's sustained
1: attention, could you give us a few little tips that might just help? Okay, so my research focused on kind of specific types of school-based interventions. And so, and you know, I've said the kind of the research is inconclusive and we need more research. So I'm really a big proponent of following the evidence base. So I really like to see more research being done rather than say, maybe recommending a specific strategy. But I will say that there's another possibility, you know, for improving children, adolescents, sustained attention is to provide them with strategies to boost their alertness in the moment. So this is called attention management. And it's a little bit different from the other two types of training we were just talking about. And one such strategy is called self alert training. And the goal of this training is to teach the individual to boost their alertness levels so they can reorientate their attention back to the task they're doing. And it involves three components. So say, for example, just take a child who's maybe sitting at their desk or sitting at home doing their homework. So the first component is a shift in posture. So the child might be sitting down, so they'd have to sit upright, you know, maybe stretch their arms. The second component is a deep breath. And the third is a silent self-instruction to focus. So they might just say to themselves, okay, pay attention. And the first two components increase your physiological arousal, which is important for sustained attention. So I kind of touched on this earlier, there's an optimal level we want. And the third component is like a cognitive tool And it is used to kind of harness this boost in arousal and reorientate kind of the attention to the task. And there's some research to suggest kind of strategies like this are effective in kind of boosting attention in the moment. So this may be something that could potentially work, but, you know, I'd really like to see more research being done before kind of maybe advising on specific types of interventions.
0: It almost sounds like it's a sort of rebooting oneself, isn't it, in the moment and sort of resetting the body and the mind in order to... It's worth a try. I think parents might be interested in just paying attention, excuse the pun, to this area and just paying attention to what works for their particular child, I think, as well.
1: Yes, for sure. And each child is so individual and so different,
0: a couple of questions in my mind following what you said i'm interested in and this is just you know open for discussion but the use of apps in improving sustained attention so i'm aware of certain study apps there's one called forest i think where it tries to focus the mind of the student for 10 minutes and during that time for example little trees will grow so there's some sort of dynamic within the app so it's just quite interesting because I'm thinking about how digital technology, where the interplay might be between a digital device and sustained attention. I'm sure that's something you've often considered as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so we're seeing a lot of these interventions are on digital devices. So you have, you know, your cognitive attention training, you know, it's it's often delivered via app or, or you know, computer game. So kind of what you spoke of mentioned there kind of seems almost like has a meditation component where you are kind of focusing on one specific thing over a period of time and directing your attention to a specific point of focus and ignoring kind of distractions. If your mind wanders, for example, you'd redirect your attention back. So yeah, digital technology offers huge potential in this kind of area in terms of interventions to help improve sustained attention.
0: The other thing that I'm mulling over is the fact that I've met some children who might struggle hugely in the classroom, but they have no problem with sustained attention playing a very dynamic computer game for hours. And that is often a question parents ask me or we we discuss that how the sustained attention can be so different depending on the particular task. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So that really comes back to What sustained attention is. And to kind of get specific, you know, sustained attention is required in kind of repetitive, monotonous tasks. So, tasks that aren't very kind of interesting and ordinarily engaging. So, that's perhaps why, you know, a child can engage with a video game that's very much interesting and has highs and lows. So it captures the child's attention. So sustained attention is is more so required in more repetitive tasks like doing your maths homework or listening to a teacher at the top of the class rather than engaging activities like playing a video game.
0: Understood, understood. And of course, one of the characteristics of sustained attention is the performance declines over time, doesn't it? Eventually, it kind of wears out.
1: (laughs) That's it, exactly. And I'm sure we can all relate to this one. Our sustained attention declines over time. We've all been there, you know, we might be working at our desk, working on a piece of writing, and then all of a sudden our mind wanders. We're thinking about what we're having for lunch or what we're having for dinner. And we have to pull ourselves back to the actual task. So that's why kind of things like breaks are important. And, you know, things like even self-alert training, you know, just shifting in your seat and taking a deep breath to kind of give yourself a a little boost of, of physiological arousal so you can focus on the task at hand.
0: So a couple of questions from parents, which we may have already sort of inadvertently answered. But is it correct that if you get a child to do a Sudoku or a wordle before a big exam it focuses their brain I think I know what you're going to say but let's hear what you think
1: I would say each child is different but I I would see there being no research behind something like that as far as I'm aware but you know if the child enjoys the puzzle and you know it reduces anxiety and they feel like it helps them perform better you know why not
0: Interesting. Interesting. Another question about performance in sport. Does your research translate into sport? So sustained attention during particular physics, like tennis, or um, is there any application of your work into the sports field?
1: Well, there's not a direct application in that we, we weren't looking at sport, but I mean, sustained attention is essential for so many things and it is essential for various sports activities. So, of, of course, it's important. And I think that's, that's all I really can say on the kind of sports participation front. So, Aideen, what are you working on
0: now? Tell us a little bit about what exciting projects are. What, what are you getting up to do every day at the moment?
1: I am working on a really exciting project at Dublin City University and we are looking at the impact of Minecraft Education Edition as a tool for teaching, learning and assessment in primary school. Oh
0: my goodness! Yes,
1: yeah, so it's re- amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting. Just for your listeners, Minecraft Education it's a game based learning platform and it's specifically designed for kind of use in the classroom by teachers. So, yeah, we have lots of exciting research ongoing. We just finished another systematic review evaluating its impact on student learning outcomes. So, yeah.
0: So, Aideen, tell us how the the Minecraft education program differs from the sort of game that our children play.
1: So, it's quite different from the -the off-the-shelf version. There are various features that make it easy to use in an educational setting but also beneficial for learning so there are lesson plans for teachers to access and use in class so that's one really beneficial feature of the platform there's also a code editor that students can learn code with and you know from our research this year students love it they really like the the coding aspect of the game and there's various other features that make it beneficial to use in an educational setting.
0: So when will the findings be out on the sort of efficacy of that so teachers can actually read your, your report on it?
1: So we've just finished a systematic review and we would hope it will be out in you know the, the coming months, very soon, fingers crossed for teachers, educators to access and read.
0: Fantastic. And obviously Minecraft education themselves must be absolutely fascinated to see what you're going to say as well.
1: That's it, exactly. So yeah, it's re- really exciting project.
0: So where will people be able to access that particular report?
1: We will publish a preprint in the coming days. We literally just put the finishing touches on it and we would hope that it would be published in an open access journal in the coming months.
0: Lovely. Well, we will look out for it and we will add it to the notes related to this particular podcast. But Aideen, thank you so much for producing such a brilliant paper on sustained attention. And, you know, you've got me really thinking, and I'm sure other people listening to this will be, you know, this is a whole new area that parents and I think teachers are, they're fascinated by what's going on in in the research world related to it. So thank you for bringing it all to our attention.
1: Thanks so much, Cathy. And thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Tooled Up Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education. www.tooledupeducation.com Parents and teachers in Tooled Up schools can also access notes accompanying each podcast available to read and download from the Tooled Up site.